When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Game two of their series against the Halos going to get underway in about a half an hour from now. And taking it all in at Angel Stadium is our next guest. He does an outstanding job covering the team for MLB.com. It's our pal Brian Hoke, and always good to catch up with him. Brian Dan Grasa, how are things out west, my friend? Ah, another beautiful day in Southern California, Dan. I uh, can't argue with that. Not beautiful, though, if you're talking about the Yankees and the way they've been playing of late, though. Three in a row in the L column. What's wrong with this offense? Why can't it get kick-started? Yeah, it's really strange. And, you know, Aaron Boone talking about that here today, saying uh, he's just trying to find the right combination to get guys going. But they, uh, other than Aaron Judge, they really haven't had too many guys in this lineup who have consistently produced for them. Uh, you saw some flashes of it on this trip. Andrew Benatendi seemed like he was recapturing his Kansas City form, and that has fallen off, too. So uh, just a lot of inconsistency up and down this lineup. Uh, you know, Glaber Torres, for example, he's kind of the poster child for that right now. Uh, he's got not only a batting average below 200 in this month, he's got an on-base percentage below 200 this month. So he, he gets a seat on the bench tonight as Aaron Boone continues to try and find a way for this uh, lineup to start scoring some runs the way they were in yeah. the first half. You mentioned uh, DJ, and we know that he's still battling the foot issue and he's not 100%. I, I don't know. Even last night, Brian, I had a problem with the decision for him to lay down that bunt in the fifth inning. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's at the top of the order to produce, and then that also kept the base open for the Angels to intentionally walk Aaron Judge, which they did, and Judge, of course, is your most steady run producer. Was that something that Boone was asked about at all after the game last night or earlier today? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we asked him about that, and he kind of winked and said, you'll never know, but I, I think it was pretty clear that uh, LeMay was doing that on his own, and I think that speaks to... Um, the hunger to at least get a run on the board here and there. But, uh, you know, I think it also speaks to how LeMahieu's confidence has been shaken here because he is not producing the way that he expects to. And so, yeah, in a first and third one-out situation there, I, I understand why you want to at least pick up an RBI, but uh, that's not the right play in that situation. Early in the game, you got to swing the bat there, especially with you guys coming up right after you. How did he say, or where would you say that Stanton is at right now since he's been coming off the shelf? We know that he's kind of a little bit cold here. He's still rounding into form. How much longer do you think it'll be for him before he starts contributing to the extent that he was a little bit earlier this season? You know, we've seen this with Stanton before where it does take him a while to get going, and then he'll just catch fire. And then uh, uh, with that long kind of swing, it's, it's unlike anybody else on this team. So there's nothing really to judge it against. Uh, when it clicks in for Stanton, then he gets red hot and he can carry a, a lineup. But it's not there right now. And, hey, maybe tonight is the night where uh, he runs into a couple. And, uh, you know, he's always got that ability in him. But, uh, you know, even going back to his minor league rehab assignment, uh, it wasn't there for that. And we're kind of seeing a continuation there. So it takes him a while to warm up. But once he gets going, that that's important because uh, that gives Judge somebody in this lineup who can really – 
you, you can't pitch around him. Uh, you know, last night they had Andrew Benatendi hitting behind Judge, and you know, credit to Phil Nevin, he's trying to win games. Of course, the right move there is to to go after Benatendi. So if you can get Stanton back to his MVP form or anything close to that, that'll help a lot. Brian Hoke, MLB.com, joining us here on 98.7. Ganks and Halos coming up tonight at the bottom of the hour from Anaheim. We saw Clay Holmes last night. Um, we know that it was kind of a rocky road for him before he went on the shelf. How does Aaron Boone stack up the back end of that bullpen right now? Is there a guy that you would say is the closer, or is it still pretty much a closer by committee and hope one of these guys gets hot? You know, I think that it's going to be Clay Holmes very soon. Uh, Boone even said last night that he was prepared to close with Holmes if it got to that point. Now, there was a better lane for him, I guess, in the seventh inning there, something they saw that to bring him in. That was very encouraging to me on a disappointing night for the Yankees. I know, uh, look, Judge hit the 50th home run, but they got the loss in that one. They lost 4-3 to three in a game that they probably could have, should have won. And uh, I think that one of the bright spots in that game is that Clay Holmes came back, and he looked like Clay Holmes, all-star Clay Holmes, uh, getting a, a couple ground balls there. The sinker looked good. So um, that, that's definitely something to build on, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they're in a safe situation tonight. I could see Holmes coming in in the ninth inning. What's the latest here on Chapman? You know, he had had a couple of rough ones, and then he goes on the IL with the infection from the tattoo. Is it pretty much back to the starting point for him once he's activated, or do they actually think that they're going to graduate him into these higher leverage situations once again? Yeah, I think this is a pretty good setback for him. And, you know, we actually talked to Boone in the dugout uh, about an hour ago, and he said there's still no set time for Chapman to resume throwing. So uh, I, I would look at him as down the road, uh, probably sometime in, in middle of September. Uh, I think this is going to take a little while. So as far as uh, Chapman coming back and taking over the closers role, any chances of that, I think, have, have kind of gone out the window. And now it's, uh, it's going to be Clay Holmes' job again. And if Chapman is able to come back, they do expect he's going to come back. Uh, I, I would see him probably in a setup role going into the postseason where he's uh, fighting for those high leverage innings. And maybe you see Chapman in the seventh or the eighth. But uh, I think that if, if Clay Holmes is back to – who he was when he went to the All-Star game in Los Angeles than uh, Clay Holmes, the ninth inning guy. You know, it's interesting, Brian, and you know this. You know, once you get to the playoffs, it's not conventional setting up your pitching like you do in the regular season. You know, starters become relievers. Sure. Relievers become starters. It's whoever can get me 27 outs the best way possible, that's who I'm going to pitch. But the problem is right now, the way the Yankees are going pitching-wise, I mean, you know, how many of these starters do you have faith in that they could pitch in high-leverage situations no matter what inning it is? That's the tricky spot. So if you don't have people you can trust in the back, your starters aren't necessarily giving you the big outs that you wanted to. This is something that they have to straighten out here over the next five weeks before October rolls around. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And I think that uh, you look at Frankie Montas, who has come over and, has, uh, I, I'm not breaking any news here, has clearly not lived up to what the Yankees hoped he would be. Uh, he's 0-2 with an ERA over 7 as a Yankee, and that's not what they traded for there. And, uh, you know, it rubs salt in the wound to see how well Jordan Montgomery is doing in St. Louis, and that's, I know they were separate transactions, but it was basically a one-for-one. One. You, you got rid of Montgomery in the rotation, you replaced him with Montas, and uh, it just hasn't lived up so far, and that's your number two starter in the postseason. So, 
Uh, we'll see. They do have reinforcements coming back. You know, Nestor Cortez will be back at some point here very shortly. Luis Severino is on the comeback trail. He can make a minor league rehab start this weekend. So uh, they think they're going to have enough arms in October. And, uh, you know, the rotation will look different than it does today. But uh, so far, the, the returns on the, the trade deadline, everything Brian Cashman did right before August 2nd, it's, uh, you know, no matter how you slice it, it's been a disappointment. And it certainly has. And, 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 you know, on Montas for a second, you know, you mentioned Cortez, Severino. I think in a perfect world, I mean, unless things get turned around, which I'm not confident that they are right now, I mean, Montas might be a guy who is no better. Let's say you're even your number four starter come playoff time. And, and, you know, it has been a rocky road for him. We're talking about five starts since coming over. And the thing that rubbed me wrong about last night, Brian, is that, you know, this is a guy in Frankie Montas who's faced the Angels about nine million times coming from the American League West and had pitched well against them in his career. And last night he's unable to get the job done for you. So is this just going to be another one of those cases of a guy who comes from a low-pressure situation in Oakland over to the pressure cooker in the big city and he's not the same pitcher? We'll see. Um, you know, I'm not ready to say it's going to be a sunny gray part two, but, uh, you know, I think that any time a pitcher comes over and struggles initially, especially with the, the high expectations and the, uh, the win-now pressure of New York, I, I think it's fair to wonder how it's going to turn out. So, you know, I, I, I go back to the trade deadline. I thought Luis Castillo was the guy to get when they weren't sure. willing to give up, say, Anthony Volpe. And they decided not to do that. Montas is the second best guy on the board. And I think that was pretty universal there. But that doesn't mean he was necessarily going to be a perfect fit right off the bat. And so, uh, yeah, he's definitely struggled. He has not been the guy that um, we thought he was going to be. I know it was a tough situation. You know, he was coming back from a shoulder injury and also had some off-the-field family issues that he had to deal with. And so I, I think he's still got time left on the clock. That's the one good thing for the Yankees here is that I know it used to be a 15-and-a-half game lead. It's down to seven now, and they got to play Tampa Bay a lot, but they're still in first place. And so uh, they've got time on the clock to figure this out, to, to start playing better baseball, and uh, they, they know that. They haven't had a winning record in July. They didn't have one in August either. Uh, they need to get back to what they were doing in April, May, and June. And if they come out and play great in September and go into the postseason hot, then maybe we forget all about this. But right now it's uh, not a whole lot of fun to watch. You mentioned the division. It is seven games. Tampa's winning 6-2 to two tonight in the eighth inning over Miami. Now, I don't know if you heard, Shane McClanahan was a late mm -hmm. scratch tonight, shoulder impingement. That's a big loss for them if he is going to miss time because Tampa's really been fueled by their pitching over the last couple of weeks, which has allowed them to turn this thing around. They see Tampa Bay coming up this weekend right after they get back from the West Coast. Do you think it's worry time yet about this lead atop the division, or you think things are still stable? Um, I think concern is the right word. I don't know about worry. You know, I, when I think about worry, I, I, I picture somebody kind of gnawing at their fingernails and staring out the window and looking behind them. I don't think the Yankees are there yet. I think they understand that uh, if they play the way they're supposed to, uh, then things will take care of themselves. But they clearly are not at, at this point. This is not uh, what any anybody expected uh, the Yankees would be doing. You know, I thought that uh, when they left for the All-Star break, I figured – they're going to coast in the second half and just get ready for the postseason. And they've lost that luxury now by not playing at least 500 baseball. And uh, so I think that uh, they, they've got to put the foot to the accelerator there and, and start winning some ball games. I mean, it's as simple as that. You, you go to Oakland 
this is a trip that uh, the Yankees should have cleaned up on. They, they, they split the four games in Oakland, and they lose the opener here in Anaheim. Um, you know, I think you've, you've got, lost the luxury to kind of take it easy. Now this team really needs to start playing for something because – uh, if they don't, somebody could sneak up and catch them. I think the odds are still against it, but uh, it's a lot more likely now than it was two weeks ago. What do you think the rest of this season holds in store for Aaron Judge? We know that he's essentially at times had to carry this team. He's certainly showing no signs of slowing down. I mean, number 50 last night, he's making the run for the Roger Maris mark there in franchise history. Everybody knows about that, but, you know, can he keep this up if the rest of this lineup, Brian, is not going to lend a helping hand and it's going to be him out there on an island having to get these big hits for this team? Well, I think that the question there is, if nobody else in this lineup is hitting, then why would you ever pitch to him? That Just too. Just very right. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, I think that if teams continue to pitch to him, Sure, he can. And look, I mean, last night he only had a few pitches to hit. He put one out in the rock pile out there in, in center field. And so, but Phil Nevin uh, intentionally walked him twice with first base open, and that was the right play in that situation because uh, I, I would do the same exact thing, and I think uh, 29 other managers around the league would do that too. So uh, I think when that situation starts coming up, and that's why I go back to what I said about Stanton coming back and becoming a force there because you need somebody in that lineup to, to provide that insurance and make you pitch to Aaron Judge. And, uh, even, you know, look, you go back to Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Why did Roger Maris have such a great season there? Because he had Mickey Mantle hitting 54 home runs behind him. So uh, I, I think that that is uh, definitely, you look at that as far as uh, what Aaron Judge has been able to do. It's been remarkable. He's uh, only the third Yankee in history to ever have two seasons of 50 or more homers. And the other names on that list, Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. So he's clearly uh, etched his name in the book here. I think he'll get to 62. I think he will. He's still got a month left on the calendar. But uh, I guess that all depends on if other teams are actually going to pitch to this guy. Yeah, start making room in that checkbook in the offseason. But the Yankees knew that already, of course. I don't think that that's breaking territory for them. (laughs) And you know what? Hey, (laughs) talk about betting on yourself, and he has certainly cashed in in a big way or will cash in once we get to the offseason. Brian, thanks for a couple of minutes. Always great catching up. Uh, Enjoy these next couple of days, quite possibly, of seeing uh, Trout and Otani on the same team. We don't know what the offseason is going to hold in store for that train wreck of a franchise in Anaheim. But thanks for hopping on as always. You got it, Dan. Pleasure being on with you. All righty. There's Brian Hulk of MLB.com. Let's talk Yankees. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And more importantly, on the subject of Judge, you know, the guys were having some fun with it earlier, you know, when it was Dave and Peter on the K show, Michael tweeting out things about this whole MVP conversation. Of course, it should be Aaron Judge, right? But there's a large portion of the population that thinks that Shohei Otani is the MVP of the American League once again. Tell you what I think, want to hear from you. We go till 10, then it's Pat O'Keefe, Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dan Gross' show with you till the top of the hour. Then Pat O'Keefe will take over for the rest of the evening. 800-919-3776, the telephone number. At Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A is where you can get me on Twitter. Mets in Dodgers knotted up a three in the seventh inning, but Freddie Freeman just leads off with a... Lead-off double into the vacant part of the shift on the left side of the infield. Wasn't hit hard, but you don't have to when uh, nobody is there. And the Mets, again, unable to get that big hit when needed. McCann struck out uh, with a couple of runners on base to end the previous inning. They're 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position tonight. So don't know if it'll come back to bite them just yet. You don't know if you can keep this Dodger lineup at bay for long as uh, both starters are now out of the game. Did a decent job for the uh, both respective clubs considering. Now, with the Yankees, and look, before we get to judge, you know, just the thing on Montas, I, I'm, I'm like this close to completely being out with Montas, out. I don't know if I can trust this guy as being like a top end of the rotation guy for the postseason. I don't think that's going to happen. I just see too many signs, and it doesn't even have to be like Sonny Gray-esque. There have been a lot of other pitchers who've come over here and then all of a sudden just lost it at the most inopportune times. You know, think Javi Vasquez, for example. Javi Vasquez was an all-star. Wasn't he like his first year, the first half of the season? He was great. And all of a sudden, he just like completely lost it. And right now, when you see Montas, just, I, I, I mean, that could have blew up against him in his last start against the Mets. You know, he let guys on the base the first couple of innings, and then the Mets were the ones who couldn't get that hit to break the game open, but it's not like he completely shut them down. And I even said that going into last night's game. And I know that you got Trout and Otani on that team, but the Angels aren't any good. The Angels stink. And he knows that team. He knows that lineup. Frankie Montas in his career had made like 15 or 16 starts against the Angels in his life and a 2-5 ERA. And so far with the Yankees, he's pitching to a 7 ERA. And he has been the furthest thing from a stopper, which you would have hoped. But now the subject to judge. Hit his 50th home run last night. I don't know what more you can say about this guy and what he's been able to accomplish this season and what he's done. You know... You think about this lineup, and yeah, I understand. The Yankees, you know, were high-flying for the first four months of the season. And everybody was doing their part, and he was the ringleader. But it still shouldn't take away from what this guy has meant to this team. 
and really in regards to all of baseball when you stack them up against everybody else. I said before, go to go to his baseball reference page, right? And look at all the black ink, the bold ink for this season, which means he's leading the league in so many categories. Furthermore, you look at how this lineup has scuffled a little bit, and they're not scoring runs, right? I mean, nine runs in four games against two of the bottom feeders in Major League Baseball. They don't hit home runs. They don't score runs, it seems like. So take Judge out of this lineup. What would they do? Because Judge seems to be the only one hitting the ball out of the damn ballpark. You know he's good for that. And he's still doing this, as Brian just said, with opponents fully realizing that don't let Aaron Judge beat you. You know, take your chances against some of these other guys in the lineup. You think DJ LeMayhew teams fear him right now when he's dropping down bunts like that last night because he doesn't have enough confidence in his bat to be able to deliver a meaningful hit? No. Stanton, as he's still trying to get back into the mix? All right, Rizzo hit one out. All right, great. But some of the other guys in this lineup, you fear them? Yankees don't score. Yankees don't do anything if Judge is not at the center of it. And they're still in first place. But because he doesn't pitch like Shohei Otani does, some people want to hold that against him and say that he's not the MVP of the league. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Otani's great. Otani is a freak. But he's not the most valuable player in the league this year. He's not. He's not. It's not necessarily best player. And I know that Otani had a guy who's on his team who's won three MVPs on teams that didn't make the playoffs and were losing clubs. So that's not necessarily a requirement that you have to come from a winning team and you have to be a first-place team or a playoff team if you want to win a Most Valuable Player Award. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you can combine the two, what could be better? And the Angels have been so bad this year. Think about this. This was a team that in May were tied for first place. Then they fired their manager, and they've been one of the worst teams in baseball ever since for the last three months. So wait, wait a second. So Otani's had nothing to do with that. Did they win every single game that Otani pitched or every single game that Otani played in? You know, Otani's got to wear that a little bit. And I know it's baseball. It's not just one guy. But don't you think that if we're going to sit here and we're going to extol Judge for being part of a team that's in first place, you also have to kind of hold it against the other guy who's on a garbage team. You lose some points for that. And I said it earlier when I went on with Dave and Peter at the end of the K show. You know, remember, there was this big movement over the last handful of years about the 17 MVP and how Altuve got it over Judge and how maybe, you know, Judge should have won it. And then we find out that the Astros were cheating in 17 and whether Altuve was or he wasn't or whatever, you know, whatever. But people think the judge got robbed that season because of everything that was going down in Houston. Okay, fine. Well, now this is the chance for everybody that is part of the voting panel who feels that judge got robbed five years ago to right a little bit of a wrong. And even though the majority of the voters are completely 
you know, in love with Otani. And they, they trip over themselves. They trip over themselves. Trying to outdo one another, just trying to describe the brilliance of Shohei Otani. You know, there's nothing the guy can't do. You know, they should send, you know, Shohei Otani over to war-torn countries so he can implement peace because there's nothing that he can't do, apparently. Those same people also look for new ways to divvy up these awards. You know, they're reluctant to hand out the same award in back-to-back years if they can. So that might hurt Otani a little bit. And throwing the fact that Judge is more deserving, I'm sorry. He is the MVP. There's no other way around it. He is the MVP of the American League this season. Now, barring a complete drop-off the rest of the season. But you're telling me you're going to have a guy who, if he stays healthy, is probably going to break that Maris record and hit more than 61 home runs, which I think is nice for somebody who's doing it at least legitimately. And it's a guy wearing a Yankee uniform to break a record that was held by a New York Yankee. And he's probably going to be doing that sometime at the end of the season, which is right around when these ballots are due and when votes have to be cast. You don't think that that's also something that's going to register in the back of these people's minds? I think it'd be a sad day for baseball if it ain't judged. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. History. Not just with Judge. Guy in St. Louis also making a run. In Pujols. Judge could hit 62. Pujols could hit 700. What do you think would hold up more? Which one do you think is more significant? When you're talking about baseball history. We'll get into that, plus get into some of these NFL roster cuts that went down today as well as teams whittle their groups down to 53. Dan Grasso with you till 10. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Dodgers have gone ahead of the Mets in the seventh inning. Why did they do that? Well, unfortunately, it wasn't my doing, but Gavin Lux infield single. 
Freddie Freeman scored, and that's all she wrote. So Gavin Lux has had a big night here tonight, driven in three of the four Dodger runs. That was off Jolie Rodriguez. Can't trust this. I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here. The Met bridge to Edwin Diaz is atrocious, and that ultimately could be what gets them bounced in October. Not their offense, not their starting. It's the bridge to Edwin Diaz. Unless you want these starters to go eight innings, which we know is not realistic, you don't trust any of these relievers. I mean, one guy's worse than the rest. You know, while Timmy Trumpet's out at the damn ballpark tonight, maybe they can see if they can get him an inning of work. Maybe he can't be any worse than the guys they have. You can play the trumpet while he pitches. Distract the hitter. Maybe it'll work. Unbelievable. So 4-3 the score for now, but the Dodgers got the bases loaded. We'll see what happens here. NFL roster cuts happened today. Um, Giants released a couple of names that, you know, raised some eyebrows. Davis Webb, you got to figure he's going to find his way back, right? You got to figure because the Giants just can't go into the season with two quarterbacks on the roster, especially Tyrod Taylor when you consider, you know, his inability to stay healthy and inability to stay on the field. I mean, look at what happened on Sunday. You know, he took that – that hit from Michael Clemens, and you, you know, had to be carted back to the locker room. And you think that he's done for weeks. So you need some assurance, but, you know, it was a numbers game, and they're hoping that Davis Webb is somebody who's not going to get claimed and they'll be able to sneak him back onto the practice squad or, or something at the very least to get a third quarterback solution in there to back up Daniel Jones and uh, Tyrod Taylor. Alex Bachman got cut. The wide receiver who led the NFL with 19 catches during the month of August that, you know, unfortunately, that is a case of I, I, I think the Giants and this is remember the wide receiver position, which right now there's a lot of question marks with the New York Giants. But they look at Bachman and said that he's, a guy, you know, and they lost uh, what's his name to an, a, an injury already, Colin. And Bachman's a guy who did it, you know, against second teamers, third teamers. I think the Giants realize that they don't put too much stock in maybe what he did necessarily. They take the practices probably a little bit more serious, and, uh, you know, it didn't work out for him. But maybe, just maybe, um, find his way back onto the practice squad. Darius Slayton did make the team for now. And you know that it's kind of been a mixed bag of sorts for Darius. Wonder what that means. And, and like I said earlier, just because you made a roster t today does not mean you are going to be on the roster next week, that you are going to be running out of that tunnel when the team plays on the weekend of September the 11th there to kick off the NFL season. Things are all fluctuating now. Now the whole league tonight is combing through this list of cut players, 32 of them around the league. Some are going to be claimed. Others are going to be traded for. A lot is going to be in flux by the time even you get to practice next week to start preparing for week one of the NFL. As far as the Jets are concerned, there were a couple that caught my eye. Uh, Javelin Guidry, they waived. He was a depth corner, but because of the situation they found themselves in the last couple of years, he got a lot of playing time, even started a couple of games. But they moved on from him. Um, Tanzel Smart, defensive lineman, and Bradley Anai, a couple of guys who had a really, really uh, good training camp. Remember, Bradley Anai had that scoop and score for the uh, go-ahead points in the Monday night game against the Falcons a couple of weeks back. They said goodbye to him. Jabari Zuniga was waived. He was a third-round pick in that 2020 draft class. Jonathan Marshall was waived. He was drafted just last year. Um, Hampson Azraldeen, college safety. They tried to convert to linebacker. Sixth-round pick a year ago. He was sent packing. Uh, Connor McDermott, who was one of their backup tackles, 
He was cut loose. Uh, he was injured, but they went ahead and released him. Same goes for Chuma Adoga. So now you're talking about their backup tackle position right now with the Jets, and it's you know it's a little bit thin. You're talking about some guys who maybe aren't as proven as the ones you had there. And it's interesting because there was a report that the Dallas Cowboys were looking to trade for Chuma Doga. But this also, I think, maybe speaks to where they or how they feel about Max Mitchell, who was the tackle that they drafted this year. They must think that he's coming along to the point where, you know, if push comes to shove, he can get in there. Uh, Chris Drevler was cut, our boy quarterback who was the hero of the preseason and just like in the case with the Giants with Bachman you know Strebler's a guy that I think you know the Jets realized a lot of what he did was against other players who probably were getting cut around the National Football League but he was a good dude worked hard and hopefully uh, if he doesn't find his way on another team he at least makes it back here to the practice squad because he deserves to be part of the NFL in some capacity uh, so you hope to see some things from him Tevin Coleman was released um, a veteran at the running back position. Surprising because they re-signed him in the offseason. He was a guy who came from San Francisco, is a fit for this scheme when it comes to the zone running, zone blocking. So they're going to keep Brees Hall. They're going to keep Michael Carter, of course. And Ty Johnson made the team, along with Zonovan Knight, who had a real good camp. He was undrafted, free agent this year. And they moved on from Tevin Coleman. Michael P. Ryan was also waived. Um, and then in the secondary there, a, a couple of notables to me. Will Parks, who's a veteran of the league, um, and Jason Pinnock. Parks had a good camp. Pinnock was a guy who was drafted as a corner, but they converted to safety late last season when they had all those injuries and was still kind of learning the position. They were even talking him up even in this camp that he was doing a really, really good job making that transition, despite the fact that he was raw and it wasn't his natural position. And they sent Pinnock packing there, which, you know, was a little bit of a surprise. So the thing that surprised me about it more than anything else is they said goodbye to Will Parks. They said goodbye to Jason Pinnock. They kept Tony Adams, who's an undrafted free agent, I believe out of Illinois, I want to say. They like him a lot, picked up the defense quickly. They think he's a good fit. But also Ashton Davis is still sticking around. And, you know, Ashton Davis is part of that ill-fated 2020 draft class, a third-round pick, and uh, – you know, to say that he hasn't made a dent yet would be putting it mildly. And you wonder, when you have a couple of other guys like Parks and like Pinnock who have stood out, who've stood out more than Ashton Davis has, you know, was this a case of a guy who, you know, they wanted to keep around because he was still somewhat of a high draft choice not too long ago, hoping that he can validate the faith that the organization showed in him? Or was it a case that they think he's maybe going to finally turn things around i could not tell you one way or the other uh 800-919-3776 that is the telephone number now speaking of the giants it's interesting um Keyshawn johnson one half of kj or one third of kjm which you hear mornings beginning at 8 a.m right here on 987 espn he is the k part um I think he is, right? Yeah, he's got to be. Because they all have, like, first names, last names. I don't know. I never put two and two together. <whistles> but Keyshawn actually thinks, in regards to Daniel Jones, and I didn't even hear this, he thinks he won't even play next year. 
It's certainly on the carousel for Daniel Jones next year. Look, only way he keeps that job and he comes back to the New York Giants is he gets them into the playoffs and he shows tremendous upside, like major. Like, he's got to go from where he is now to a 90. I don't know that that'll happen because this is an evaluation year for the New York Giants on their roster. He's obviously being evaluated. And on top of that, think about the quarterbacks that potentially could be coming out of into next year's draft out of college football. There's a very, very rich quarterback draft and I know that they got their eye on somebody in this draft little misleading there not to say that he wouldn't play it's more as if he might not be the giant quarterback now I do disagree with what Keyshawn says that it's going to take the Giants making the playoffs for Daniel Jones to keep that job I disagree you know because he could go out there and play tremendous hey I'll give you an example and I'm not saying that he is going to reach these heights but just you know for conversation Everybody is already putting Justin Herbert in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but Justin Herbert has yet to lead his team to the playoffs. So I'm not even saying Daniel Jones has to play at that level, but he can play good football, command the offense, command the huddle, gain the respect of the coaching staff, Dayball, of course, Joe Shane, and they might feel, we like this guy enough, we want to move forward with him. And they bring him back for maybe even a short-term deal, a couple of years. I doubt they'd franchise him because that's a lot of money for one season. But if he plays well enough this year, maybe they don't have any problem allocating those type of dollars. I just don't think you're going to get a multi-year deal. The majority of the likely outcome for Daniel Jones will be of the following. Franchise tag or they don't re-sign him. Those are the two. I can't see a multi-year contract to the giant quarterback after this season. I just can't see it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's add a Wilson. He's in Jersey. He's up next. Dan Grasso Show, 987 ESPN. Hey, hey, how you doing, man? How are you? What's up, Will? How you doing? I'm all right. Hey, listen, I'm in a, I've been a Giants fan for over 42 years. I've mm-hmm. called you a few times about the Giants. And uh, this is going to sound crazy, what I'm going to tell you, but this is how Giants fans feel. Their first game against Tennessee – it's a playoff game for us. We cannot start 0-1. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. The Giants need to win. That That's, That first game is almost as important as a playoff game for us. Because if they lose the game, it's like, here we go again. And we're sick and tired of starting 0-4, 0-5, man. If they win the game and they start 1-0, the outlook is going to be – it's going to be like – Something that it's almost like a two, you know, when we made the playoffs in 2000, what, 15, 16, whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. It's almost that kind of game for us, which sounds crazy, right? Because it's the first game of the season. Right. But to us, Giants fans, it's a playoff game. What do you think about that? I don't think it's a playoff game. Of course, you want to win the game. I know you say it's an important game, but I'll tell you this, Will, and I thank you for the phone call. Uh, Looking at the Giants' first four games, I actually think the first game is the least important out of the four. Because that's an AFC opponent in the Tennessee Titans. And I'll tell you what, Tennessee is looking at the game just the way you are. Tennessee maybe even more so. They're saying, hey, we think we're a good team. People are doubting us, right? We got to beat the Giants. If we can't beat the Giants, who the hell at home, who the hell knows what our season's going to be like? But if you're the Giants, I'll tell you right now, okay, unbiased observer, go two and two in the first four. I don't think that that's crazy. At Tennessee, home Carolina, Home Dallas, home Chicago. Chicago stinks. They're worse than the Giants. 
So you're playing three NFC teams there, one AFC team. If you want to look big picture, of course you want to win the Dallas game. That's a division game. Those count the most. But if you beat the Bears and then get a split of either Dallas or Carolina, most likely probably Carolina is the more feasible game, and you lose to Dallas, lose to Tennessee, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. Because then you go to Green Bay after that, you're not going to win that game. You got Baltimore then coming home, which is going to be a tough one. You're probably not going to be favored in that one. Then you go to Jacksonville and Seattle. And then you host Houston and Detroit. Think about that stretch for you. If you get through those first, you know what? If you're two and four, you don't want to hear this, in the first six games, then your next four are Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions. Then it gets a little bit easier, and you could get to, my dare I say, Thanksgiving, and you're playing on Thanksgiving this year, remember against the Cowboys, and you might actually still have a pulse. You might actually still have a pulse. But take it one game at a time. Like Wilson saying, yes, you want to win the first game, but I think if you want to take the section and the season in quarters, that's probably the game that you maybe are okay with not winning more than the other three just because it's an AFC opponent. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>